Hello, friends. How's it going? You know, I had a uh, post that I laughed. I had AI write it on my LinkedIn profile, and it really just garnered so much negativity from the traditional gaming world. I think people thought I was trying to shill or promote a product, and I just want to make it clear that I don't, you know, one, the ads on this show are fake. I just have fun making fake commercials. But if I were to ever really monetize, and get ads, and put products on this show, it would only be things I truly believe in. I'm not going to sit here and promote tokens, or games, or studios, or NFTs, or things that I don't believe in personally and think they're great. And I'm definitely not going to do it and say, oh, it's an investment. It's going to make you money. That's why you should invest in it. I try to just give you high-quality guests for games that I think are really fun with people who I think are really kind and positive in this space. And those are the people I want to talk to. Those are the people I want to meet. I'm not against people challenging it and saying, you know, here's the faults, here's the shortcomings. But when people are just angry and shaking their fist and just go, this is dumb, you don't know what you're talking about, uh, nobody understands this, I understand it, and that's why I'm a pro and professional with X amount of years experience, I'm sorry, it's just I nor nobody wants to listen to you when you just act like a raging jerk. So all I'm trying to get to is, at the end of the day, I'm trying to kill with kindness, and I'm trying to just get 1% better myself personally with this podcast every day. So everyone out there who listens and supports and is all about that, that's all I really want to care about and spread. So I hope you get that out of this. I hope you realize people I talk to are people I actually believe in. If I wanted to shill casino Web3 games all day long, I could because I get flooded with requests to have those people on. But I don't believe in those, and I don't think they're trying to build a quality game for people who really want to have fun, and I don't think it's worth wasting my or your time with these studios. So I just hope that's clear to everyone who listens that this is I, this is for me. I'm a lifelong gamer. I think gaming is fun. I love hearing about games. I love hearing about studios. I love meeting these people and talking to them and hearing their stories and why they game to where they are. So stay positive. Do your best. Don't let the trolls get to you. And with that out of the way, in this episode of the Web3 Gamer, I talk with one of the founders of Cornucopias. Cornucopias is an open-world, AAA-quality, massive multiplayer online role-playing blockchain game. It's built on the cutting-edge Unreal Engine 5. Users interact with one another in a virtual world setting comprised of caves, forests, a futuristic cyberpunk-esque metropolis, racetracks reminiscent of Mario Kart and F-Zero, and so much more. While it still remains in its early pre-alpha access, Cornucopias currently allows its users in the Cardano ecosystem to purchase in-game assets such as special race vehicles. In the long run, Cornucopias is set to become a chain-agnostic game which will cater to more blockchain ecosystems. Specifically, one of the founders I talked with was Rob Grieg. Rob has been a serial entrepreneur building businesses and developing software for 20 years across various industries. As a highly skilled developer and business analyst, he possesses a strong corporate and development background, enabling him to effectively translate and bridge the gap between stakeholders and back office developers. In the past, Rob successfully built a real estate monitoring system and an automated cloud API business, both of which were sold to one of the largest real estate portals in the UK. His proficiency extends to excelling in software planning, development, 
and management, and he has a proven track record in building and mentoring small to medium-sized development teams. And I got to say, Rob and I clearly have a big connection on retro gaming. Um, It was funny, we kind of talk about it towards the end, but I really felt like we probably could have talked about it for a whole podcast. Um, Rob was really great to talk to. I can tell he's really passionate about gaming. I can tell he's been a lifelong gamer. He talks all the way back about playing Atari, so that goes to show you how long he's enjoyed being a gamer. And I could tell Rob just really at the end of the day is is trying to build fun-to-play games, really build and foster that community, and he's all in in the best way possible. And I think he's one of those people who definitely gives, like I hope everyone on this podcast I have on, she speaks to you that I'm trying to talk to these people who are really trying to bring great to the community, you know, people who are passionate gamers, passionate builders, and they're not afraid to dig in and get their hands dirty. And Rob talks about a lot of the issues he's faced as an entrepreneur, a lot of the uh, pitfalls and a lot of the things he's had to work around. So Rob gave us not a lot of great info, not only about cornucopias and uh, his love of video games, but his personal background. And hopefully there's some small gold nuggets in there that you all can take from this conversation. I loved talking to Rob. I will definitely have him back on the podcast. I hope to have Josh with him too, who is is the other co-founder. And um, just really great, great people. I'm grateful every day I get to talk to people like this and share it with you on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this. My name is Matthew, and I'm the Web3 Gamer. This podcast is brought to you by corn. You can pop it, you can boil it, turn it into syrup, uh, apparently make fuel out of it, you know, plastics, cements. Uh, I mean, you can make, uh, like, tamales. I mean, shit, guys. You can do so much with corn. There's a reason here in the U.S. we subsidize it and just make so much corn. So go out and eat some corn today. Hello, hello, friends and gamers. I am Matthew Simone. I am the Web3 Gamer, and I am here with Rob from Cornucopias. Rob, how is it going? Yeah, very good. How are you? No complaints, you know. We've been getting a lot of rain here, and uh, I'm a fan of the rain, so I can't complain with that. Uh, It's been, we had that cold snap, but now it's getting nice and warm. I don't know if it'll be a fake warm, and then we'll go back to cold here. It's weird being in the southeast. We go hot and cold a lot. Uh, I mean, where? I, so, where are you calling in from? So, I'm I'm in the UK. I'm in the north of England. So, I'm very much used to rain and cold, and wind, <laughs> and even four seasons in one day. I could totally believe it. I could totally believe it. Well, uh, we we've been connected by a mutual uh, friend on LinkedIn, and um, funny enough, I have heard of your game way way back, probably about two years ago at this point and um i hadn't heard anything since so i'm glad to see it's still going strong and everything's been working because uh correct me if i'm wrong you've been y'all been working on this since 2021 correct yeah early 2021 so you're i mean you're you're an og i suppose at this point (laughs) og at least of knowing of it um i can't remember how much was going on in the first year of release um i think the reason it really uh i i was really aware of it is y'all were one of the first, if not one of the biggest 
games on Cardano. And I didn't know anybody else trying to, nobody really wanted to do anything in that sense. So I thought that was yeah. really interesting. I was really into Cardano then. Not that I have a problem with it now, but I'm much, I'm much less uh, into it then. But I, I still think it's got a lot going on as a good network. Um, but that's exactly why I was aware of you all. And, you know, really cool to see that things are still going well and things are still chugging along. So, I mean, I guess what's your, what's your background that led you to this point that you wanted to start this, uh, this gaming project? You know, were you a crypto fan? Were you a Web3 fan? Were you an NFT fan? Were you, were you none of those? And this was a new venture on your part? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 25 years. Um, I, I worked in all kinds of, of projects, um, mainly working on what I call the, the bleeding edge of technology, you know, just so emerging technology. Um, I've developed software in the real estate industry for about 10 years, going back um, like nearly 20 years ago. And wrote everything from kind of 360 degree virtual tours where you had to take photographs and i wrote software to stitch them together and do a whole web experience um, crms huge data mining applications um, wrote all kinds of apis and then i sold that business uh, back in 2007 to one of the largest real estate companies in the uk um, like i say on bleeding edge i wrote software using sms bluetooth zigbee and then i started getting into crypto in late 2017 you know the height of of that bull market and um then it obviously crashed <laughs> in 2018 and um uh, but, but i hung around because i you know i was I, I was just fascinated by by the technology and I, I was keeping a close eye then like you say on cardano which was which was brand new and, and ethereum and bitcoin xrp all all, all these other really early uh, i suppose apart from bitcoin everything else really is a technology company so so that you know that, that really fascinated me and then in 2020 um i saw an advert for community developers to start developing open source infrastructure on the cardano blockchain so you know that 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 was just incredible so so i was actually i applied for that and i was one of the original 50 people that were invi invited to join in fund one of, of project catalyst um wow. and yeah i mean that that was just amazing you know so i know all the ogs in the ecosystem and and everything that you know how that by itself grew up and, and was part of shaping that and then one of my projects actually was funded in in fund three and and charles hoskinson you know the ceo of 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 cardano he you know he read reads out these projects and when he read my project he, he said oh we need that and then at the time josh jones who is now the the other co-ceo with myself because we're, we're, we're joint co-ceos um he was running his own uh, little youtube channel and and he had um uh a state pool in cardano and when and when he heard charles say we need this you know we we kind of connected to to do a video on his channel and um kind of the 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 rest is history we just got chatting and, and it and it's i mean it literally snowballed with it with a month or so after that meeting that's really cool i didn't i didn't know you were uh that far back in cardano yeah. um i mean not not very few people can say that one um and maybe depending on how people feel about things too very few people i guess want to say it i think it's a cool thing regardless you know to be one of the first people 
in any sort of chain, um, however you feel about certain people involved with said chain. I think, again, the core of what makes Cardano great is people like yourself and a lot of the developers I've met who are doing things in there. Um, and that's that's what I always hoped for and liked in the ecosystem is people like yourself, like working on it, really building it. So, well, then, well, so... It's really strange, you see, because when most people get into crypto, it's all about the money. And obviously, that's how it started for me, you know, in mm -hmm. 2007, interested in this. But I really found community. I, I, and that really started a whole different journey that, you know, eventually now is synonymous with Web3. Yeah, definitely. Well, and it's really cool now, too, because I, I was just talking about this on the last episode. It's like you know, community is still a big thing. And now what we're seeing slowly becoming is um, user generated content. It's really driving a lot of these, a lot of these games, a lot of these companies. And um, I think it's, I think it's, it's, you have to toe line just a little bit carefully because obviously if all your stuff is user generated content, maybe you don't have an original idea or yeah. um, things may get taken out of hand, but it's really cool to see the, the balance where um, people will be like, well, all the art for our game or our company is is user generated. And then we're kind of doing the guideposts to see how does that game get built? How does it get directed? All those things. So yeah. I, I really like seeing that. Um, that's been a really cool aspect for me to see in Web3 Gaming. Yeah, I mean, we we actually create all our own artwork ourselves. You know, we have a team now of 33 internal full time people um, that's artists and programmers and, and back office staff and another contract as well. So, that, so there's actually over 50 people working on us. I think, you know, we're really proud that that we do create our own our own artwork um, because we're aiming for that AAA quality. There is mm -hmm. many, if any, AAA games, you know, that go on and succeed with kind of marketplace assets. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But but the the direction that that our project is heading, you know, I think it's it's one of the key differentiators, I'd say, between us and 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 other kind of indie games. Yeah, well, and it's nice that you all kind of popped up right around that time in Web3 where before that, I'm sure as you've seen, uh like in, in Web3 gaming, it was all play to earn. And it was kind of like reminiscent of that yeah. early app store boom where you're like it's a lot of not really fun to play games but people are yep. playing because they're like well well i could get bitcoin or i could get ethereum and so i'm just going to play cash out and then be done and so you really don't have a reason for user retention and what's nice is like after that last the 2017 bull run i think people had a lot of money and were like well we could invest in AAA games and really beef up the industry and it was nice to see that from like 2019 2020 onwards there's been all these AAA games slowly coming out of the woodwork or developing at least, if not fully yeah. done uh, in Web3 gaming. So it's cool to see that uh, y'all are in that realm. And I love seeing this shift because it it um it really toes the line of, you know, uh, or I guess just it paralyzes with the traditional gaming industry in the sense of quality. Whereas before that, it was kind of this weird, unique little ecosystem of you're like, oh, or maybe behind the times is a better way to say it of like, oh, it's kind of in that old app store days. But now I feel like we're, catching up because especially i meet a lot of people who have were in traditional gaming worked for studios did a lot of things their whole career and just were like well i loved the idea of owning my own assets or my gamers owning their assets or helping me build the game or they're like it just seemed like all these things we've always wanted in gaming for all these times and now it's actually possible to get a lot of them so i always thought that was a yeah. cool shift to see well i think i think it's yeah i mean it's it's kind of like a challenge as well because for traditionals, you know, they have they have VCs, traditional VCs, so 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 they have a risk factor. So completely changing their model, taking a risk on blockchain is like, you know, even now that they're just kind of dabbling, but it is, 
you know, if anything goes wrong, they, they've got people to answer to. Whereas, you know, when we started Cornucopius, there was only four of us. So there was very little risk whatsoever, <laughs> I suppose. But actually, we did. We did actually all throw in our, our jobs. Uh, you know, we made some money from from the crypto boom not not much but we were self-funded for those first few months and, and we you know we gave up our jobs and, and so it there was a risk but when you're you you can risk your own money you know that that's part of life's adventure but when you've got vcs behind you then then yeah <laughs> they, they don't really let, let you take risks especially with early early technology well, and there's a lot more pressure, especially with VCs mm. behind you. There's still pressure, yeah. obviously, when it's your own fund because you're like, I really want this to oh, succeed. Yeah, otherwise, I'm out of a job. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. with VC, well, I think you you have more flexibility, as you were saying, than with the VCs. There, like, if you start to you know go off the path, they're just like, this isn't this isn't what we put our money here for, and they get yeah. very upset very quickly. Whereas for y'all, you can go, ah, going off the path, it's a bit risky. But if everybody agrees, it's it's a worthy risk, and we want to do it. You know, we can go forward with it and give it a shot and obviously as you've seen a lot of times those risks pay off yeah well and yeah i mean it's crypto high risk high reward it's 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 just it just comes with the territory i suppose yeah definitely well then so let me ask what made you all want to develop a web3 game as opposed to any other sort of web3 project you know maybe like some sort of software and a smart contract application um any sort of DeFi, you know there's the list is endless of what you could do but what made you all yeah. uh want to go the the game route well you know i i you know i absolutely love the ethos of of blockchain and decentralization and and you know the fact that we're early we we do get to be disruptive um mm -hmm. you know being part of of like this community movement you know we we also i really think we're also part of, of a gaming revolution, a, a gaming movement to actually change and put the control back in, well, not even, not in, even back in, in the, in the player's hands, but for the very first time, like you say, players can own their own assets that with a large game like ours, you know, you can, you can choose your, your own adventure. And, and I really think now is, is a, you know, an opportunity to be right in at the start of, 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 figuring out all these challenges and i think that kind of adds to the puzzle as well that that also makes it really really interesting and inviting gotcha so do you consider yourself a gamer um when you, when you i can. mean i can give you my whole history <laughs> of gaming if you if if you like i mean yeah but but my my gaming kind of started early i mean pr mm. probably you know Go back to the early 80s when I, I was around about 10. You know, I started reading um, a series of books, role-playing adventure books um, by Ian Livingston and Steve Jackson. Um, and the, the idea of these kind of choose-your-own-adventures was absolutely amazing. So you'd sit down with, with pen and paper and you'd read a book and, and you'd get options at the end of each paragraph um do you want to climb a mountain if so go to page 100 do you want to go down to the village go to page 220 and you'd fight monsters and you'd roll dice and you'd keep track of, of score and and then back in the early 80s you know just as these home computers were coming out i got my very first spectrum so, so I, I was around about 12 then and so I would write my own stories, being heavily influenced by by these adventures, and started programming then on the spectrum. 
um, I would get like Sinclair magazines and, and, and they would get these things called poke codes, which I've actually, you know, got, got here. So, so you, you'd get these little cards and on the back of them was actual code. And, and so you'd enter the code and the, there'd be cheats for the games. So huh. in, instead of just entering them in, I, I would just go crazy and I'd create these whole menu systems. What game do you want to play? What cheats do you want to do? So I was obsessed with analyzing games, pulling them apart, rewriting them and, and trying to, to, you know, to create them myself. And then every weekend we, my parents had a, a caravan at a holiday park. So I was brought up in the arcade as well. You know, I'd play Ghost and Goblins, um, Outrun, Bubble Bobble, you know, mid-80s. Um, my all-time favorite game, Double Dragon. You know, I could finish that game on. Well, I could get to get to the level where the, the rocks come out of like 10 pence, but then they, they'd take about a pound <laughs> off you and, you and you could go and finish. And I've had every console possible from, from the Atari 2600, the Commodore Amiga, the lot, absolutely everything. So... Yeah, I've literally played, wrote, analyzed, pulled apart, done everything with gaming, you know, my, my entire life. That's awesome. Now, I, I so obviously not being as old, um, I have played <laughs> on everything back to the Atari. Funny enough, that was one of my brothers and I's first systems. Um, my dad was a big fan of the Atari. Um, I think he stopped playing games with us around the late 90s. So we'll say the N64 era, um, yeah. maybe GameCube at the latest, but. Yeah, we we I remember we had it and playing that with him. Um, my brother was really good at. Um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the game. It's a submarine, and uh, there was a contest. You could like, if you got a certain high score, you could send it in and get like a T-shirt here in the U.S. And I guess oh, my okay. brother like right. got the score. And my dad's like, we should send it in. And he took the picture when he sent it in. They sent a letter up being like, sorry, that promotion ended like years ago. Essentially, <laughs> at this point, twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, it was, it was funny. I remember hearing that. I don't know if they just, I don't know if they gave him like a sticker or something like, thanks for playing or whatever, but we thought it was <laughs> funny. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, that, that's awesome. So it's funny you bring up the choose your own adventure because when, uh, like before I even started on this podcast, there were people I was meeting and one of the projects that I really wanted to take off that never took off because it was just two guys. And I guess it was just too much work and they couldn't get traction was a game called servants of the flame where it was exactly that. So they were selling these these fantasy based um, NFTs for your characters. Uh, one of the uh, one of the CEOs was a writer, and he was just as into all the choose your own uh, mm. you know story. And he would he would basically be like, "We're going to release it in chapters, and we'll write it. And there's factions, and people can choose the story and have battles." And yeah. unfortunately, I think it's just writing and having kids and having a full time job. It was too much, and eventually they had to uh, sh uh, shelf it. And I don't know if they'll come back to it, but um. I'm, I've met plenty of people who really loved the choose your own adventure. And I know there was a lot around it. I think it's just simply it's too much work for them. But um, <laughs> if, if only you had been around, cause you could have hopefully you know, played it and been like, I'm all for it. <laughs> it is one of the challenges, you, you know, starting your own company, you, you get, especially in text, you know, you, you get a lot of people that I'd say text or, or programmers, but they don't know anything about the marketing side. Definitely me. I did, you know, Josh fulfills that side. And, and then you mm -hmm. have the business side and the back office and growing teams. So yeah, you, you know, having, having the initial idea and, and having the energy and the story is only one part of, of the puzzle. It, it's, it's how you, how you complete that puzzle and, and, and how it grows. So yeah, I mean, I definitely understand the struggle because, for many many years you know 
I was I was kind of that analyst and and that developer without the the whole marketing that side of it. So it that took a long time, long time, and you know to, the the look I suppose of, of meeting someone as, as experienced as Josh. Well, yeah, and also too, I think too, like if you didn't work in either software development, game development, some somewhere in the tech industry, like really, it's only in the last ten years that you know people like me who've never worked in that industry can have background information from you know uh interviews uh you know yeah. podcasts things like this to somebody can actually sit there and be like people get mad that it takes us six seven eight years to develop a game they're like here's all the things that go into developing this game and why it takes that yeah. long and people like myself hear that i'm fascinated by it i also have never been upset waiting for a game if it ends up being a good game i only get upset if i'm like what happened how did this take seven or eight years for this to happen obviously things happen for people especially companies but I, I love hearing that because it gives you a whole new respect for the art form and for all the hard work and, and blood, sweat, and tears uh, that people pour into their work and into their games. And development's changing as well, you know. You know, going back into those, you know, those early cartridge days, you you couldn't release DLC. There was there was no internet. Everything had to be there. It had to be done by a deadline. It had to be tested. That was it. There, there was no updates. You know, and everything also had to be compressed to. To, to these tiny cartridges or, or tape drives. So, yeah, developing has obviously changed and evolved, but, but it also, yeah, I, there's, there's different ways now. You know, so, some companies can actually release a lot earlier, which is actually quite bad, and then they might take six months fin fixing bugs, whereas others, mm -hmm. like in the Web3, you know, we can develop in the, in, in the, in the public eye. So... Development is, is definitely changed as as well, and um, yeah, I, a lot of though a lot a lot of PCs nowadays and consoles are, are, are way more forgiving than than they used to be. But I mean, there's definitely been a, a shift in in how games have been built. Well, yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the especially what I'm I'm literally trying to think. I feel like nine out of ten AAA Web three games I look at are either in some form of alpha or beta. They're not yeah. in, you know, fully yeah. released. The and you, new. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I'm saying, do you do you like that? Because it's funny because I feel like in traditional gaming that it depends. You know, when people do play tests, I feel like traditional gamers still tear the game apart, even though they're like, "Hey, yeah. just know this is very much alpha or beta phase. It's not the finished project." People still tear it apart. That doesn't seem to happen as much in Web3, at least. People are much more either forgiving or I think it's maybe it's the change of people get to provide feedback and they enjoy yeah. doing that because they get to enjoy building the game. My main question I'm trying to get to is why do, why do you like that in Web3 gaming and what do you think the benefit is for your game and your company? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a good question because uh, like I say, with, with the shift and, you know, there the definitely is a, a way of developing in the traditional triple a you know you don't see anything for maybe eight nine or ten years um and then suddenly a game comes around that you've never heard of before but they then push millions and millions of dollars into marketing and try and grow the player base and really when they release kind of like their beta version that's not really come and give us feedback this this is kind of this is the start of marketing i mean yes you can you can feedback on it but really the whole game is now almost ready to go but in Web three, because we we are so early, the 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 as we are growing the game, the community is actually growing with us. So it's all, all organic. So it's very symbiotic. So 
we're getting early feedback we have the opportunity because everything is, is transparent you know we we have a weekly um youtube channel ourselves, and i'm you know we're growing our twitter so the community sees everything that and and that's different because normally you just see a finished game now you actually see things building up which you know has its pros and cons because because you know why is that bit clunky? Why is that bit broken? But actually, we're finding that because the community can give feedback and some of their changes make it and they can play it early, they, they actually become um, more forgiving, maybe more loyal. And I suppose because, because it's a different way of funding as well than, than VCs because because our community, you know, they they purchase nfts which goes to to help support the development of the game they are kind of i, I don't really want to use the word invested but but you know what i mean that they, they are they're part of that they're part of, of of this game that's that's being built and and if that goes on for for years and years like, like you say ours has been going for two and a half years now you know they, they re we really become embedded with each other and, and you start caring Whereas when some games come out, you don't care. Oh, that looks rubbish. That doesn't. That's not like that. It, it's too easy to be a keyboard warrior. Where I think because you know you you've got access to the developers almost direct, and you can you can see them there being active. You know, you know you have a chance of actually your feedback being taken on board. Yeah, and I think you you mentioned a lot of things there. It sounds like you all have a lot of transparency, or at least as much as you you know you can have that's reasonable. Um, it, it sounds like people do who voice their comments actually get to see it taken to heart and, you know, yep. put in place. So I think that really revitalizes and energizes a lot of people to be like, oh, these people actually care. They actually listen to us. It's not just all smoke and mirrors saying we care. Um, I am curious too, if, um, you know, I, I, in gamer fashion, I had, um, some of the people from Metalcore on a while back and they were talking about in their early play tests, how, um, <clears throat> there were certain things that the you know the hired playtesters didn't do versus when they had the open beta some of the players just went wild and did crazy things that they were like one was some guy was like there's an arena they can play in but you can wander outside the arena and some dude's like i wonder what happens if i go to the top of yeah. that mountain and of course when he goes to the top of the mountain like turns out for whatever reason it was like a game breaking bug and they're like of course Thank God that dude figured it out. They're like, because of course the developers are like, well, no one's ever going to wander to the top of this mountain. The arena is down there. People are going to play down there. So I'm wondering if that's something along the lines of y'all have come across where in the development cycle, I guess what I'm getting at is some sometimes you all are like, well, the player is supposed to play this way. This is probably how they'll play. And then I'm sure as you have seen, a lot of times the players just go outside that boss completely and play the game in a completely different way or unique way than you thought. And you almost have to, adjust for that to be like well we never thought they'd do this but now we need to correct for it because obviously they want to play it like that yeah i mean we absolutely love when they do that you know we, we kind of called it the smoke testing you know obviously it gets tested internally but because we hand it over earlier we you know we know these these kind of bugs or features are, are going to exist you know the only guarantee we give with our game is that it'll contain bugs and and the the players yeah i mean they find some incredible stuff i mean we with a game like ours where we've got all these different worlds and and the eight kilometers by eight kilometers and at the end of this year we will have 10 of those so so nine huge theme zones I, I and one that's currently tested at the moment called Kalido valley 
and to have a game like that, you, you know, we we've only got a really relatively small testing team. So to have an, a community that are testing now, and we've got over a thousand people that are in there testing and breaking. I mean, you you can only embrace that. I mean, you 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 couldn't get, you, you couldn't ask for a, a much friendlier um, community uh, as ours. And you know, they love it. And some of the bugs, they they have a separate channel, so so they will share them. And you know, if if they're too game breaking, but now, yeah, you can fall for you can fall through. The map and you can fall all the way down to earth and you know people are just happy that yeah oh, i wish i could i wish i could recreate that we we just embrace <laughs> it honestly we we all accept <laughs> that it's very very early and you, you you can never get enough testing for a game so so yeah we we love it no, that's definitely true i mean even in traditional gaming there's a reason left to keep pushing out updates because people will find bugs and then use it to yep. uh, Sometimes cheat the game or sometimes be like, hey, you can do this to get OP but, but within like 20 also, minutes. Also, another important part of that is we, because this is now a, a crypto game, you know, the, the crypto, the DeFi side of it uh, at the moment is not live. But having all those different people with different experience and, and you know, some are technical, some are not technical, you know, for a game to we've seen a, a, a lot of web3 games even even now that have gone out and those those um tokens or or that game has been drained because there's been exploits in there so so to have early access the community will find it while it's while it's on um alpha and, and while it's in testnet and and that is really invaluable valuable because as much as we can put our testing tools in and we can test it they will test every inch of it so so that actually then becomes a really serious side of you know thank god that we've got such a massive community that are also looking out for those kind of bugs no that's very true i think there's a there's things to be said like you know I, i'm actually curious to ask you this question i have yet to meet a developer who dislikes open source unless it's for something very proprietary most developers as far as i understand especially yeah. they like it because it's transparency and it allows for like you've talked about just people being able to point out be like hey did you notice there's this massive bug here and they're like nope i'd know it now though well and i'm curious too of all of all chains um you know obviously you were early in on cardano so you you saw a lot of potential with it early on but you know, yeah. I know people were building on Ethereum then too, and th that was probably realistically the main chain at the time. And I'm curious what made you want to build on Cardano versus maybe Ethereum or some other chain? Um, from from day one, we, we've always wanted to be blockchain ag agnostic. So yes, you know, our first steps were was in the Cardano chain, but Cardano was was very very early, and and Ethereum was very early. And like I say, we've, I've been watching these chains for for three four years. There, there is there to date, there is no perfect blockchain. But what you get is is you get different chains that have good features. Um, and, and with what you what you find with a game is because we can reach out and you know talk talk to any of these chains we're just an api away from 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 any of them we can in the future use features 
that may be better on one chain and, and, and maybe weaker on another. So for example, we could use the governance that, that's coming on Cardano, we could use NFTs, we could use some of the layer twos, and we can pull them all together just, just in one big bucket. And, and the player doesn't know, doesn't even need to know, you know, that, that they're playing on blockchain, but all these features will come in to, to build this, 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 this single, I, mean, I suppose the, the single platform that can pull the best, the best of the best from all these different platforms together and make it seamless. I mean, that's one of the things that we're, we're really keen on from, from day one is for me, the blockchain should be completely invisible. So we want our players to come in, join like a traditional game, like, like, like they used to, because we're not just aiming at web three, we're, we're aiming at, at traditional web two as well. So create your game. Yes, there'll be a, an email and password. And then the wallet itself could be almost invisible. That, that'll be taken care of. You don't even need to know you're, you're a wallet there. And then maybe one day you'll have all these assets. You'll be playing the game and the game may say, you, you know, you've got about a hundred dollars or $200, or you can actually sell that skin you don't have to go and find the one of these black market um uh, marketplaces that already exist that we've seen in web 2 you know the, the, there's this there's this big um i suppose false fallacy that that everything in in web 3 is a scam but the the traditional games people have lost so much money trying to move accounts or sell accounts and and then You've got all the PayPal scams, you have all that. But with Web3, the ability to own your assets and actually trade them in a safe and secure way is built in from, from the start. So I think at the moment, people don't understand that. So it's, it's on us to educate people. And the way to do that is to make everything completely seamless and then just you know gently prod and say, look, you, do you know that, that this is possible? Or just make it completely invisible to them. So, so that's one of, the, one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, and I've heard some people say in the past, um, they're like, just like you said, they're like, the aim is for it to be as invisible as, it's almost like when you're playing a game made by Bandai Namco, their little, yep. you know, symbol pops up and it would be like made on the Cardano chain. And then like, that would be it. And people would be like, yep. people who don't know what that is would be like, I don't know. It's just another like company or it's just another, you know, like Dolby Atmos. That's the sound it's using. You're like, okay, cool. I just want to get to the game. So I, I feel like I could see it going that route where it's so tucked in behind the scenes and everything that like you said, like people don't have to think twice about it. It's just built into the, the user design and it's, it's very seamless. So yeah, I, I do see it going now. that way. You see that happening now. You know how how do yeah. you want to, to how do you want to buy a skin? Do you, do you want to use your credit card? Do you want to you know debit credit card? Do you want to use Polygon, Cardano, Ethereum? You know you don't recognize those symbols, but okay, I know what I know what Mastercard Visa is. I'll just use that. So, so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's the same same idea. Well, yeah, definitely. And too, I've seen a lot of. Um, and I'm curious if this is the same for y'all. It, it may it kind of sound like sounded like it, but it may not. Some of them are taking this hybrid approach, so to speak, of there the game can be played without any of the blockchain aspects, and you yeah. can still play the game and enjoy the game. But if you want all the blockchain aspects, it's only going to enhance the gameplay for you. So you can really appeal to both audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Is that a thing, y'all? Is that a thing y'all are trying to do as well, or is it um, yeah. 
is it is it more difficult? You're kind of trying to get to that point, could not quite there. Yet. No, we we've always said from day one that we want cornucopias to to be free. So so yeah, it is a large, expansive world, and there is hundreds and hundreds of hours of exploration and and you know playing your character from from scratch and, and building them up and and you know if you don't so so some of our nfts for example are these flying vehicles and and the flying vehicles allow you to get from um one of the theme zones to another theme zones or they also allow you to to go racing in in, in the in the racing game which is kind of like a, a, a an inbuilt experience within the game but if you don't have a flying vehicle that's completely fine then you can just use either public transport to to travel from from one one dome to another and that'll just cost you in-game currency um or you can just when you go to 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 the racing arenas you can borrow um one of the 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 on-track vehicles so so you still get to to do the 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 racing experience and they're just as fast you will still have a class b class and c class free vehicles that you can use the, the only difference really is if when we have when we open the corner coast pierce racing league you know for those for when the esports starts then you will have to have um an nft to to join in with, with those but that doesn't stop you from from gaining your experience and, and almost like trying before you buy if racing is not for you you know it doesn't cost you anything well yeah and so i it's funny of all this time we've talked about so many things and i haven't asked one of the simplest questions of what is what is the gameplay like? What is what you're trying to do with the game, or is it a multitude of things? Because as far as I know, you're you're making an MMORPG. There's I've yeah. seen a lot of the open world aspects, some of the some of the crafting aspects, some of the exploratory aspects. Um, but I'm not sure if you all are trying to do kind of a multitude of things within this one um, vision. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so the, there's 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 a couple of elements in it, and I suppose. Um, let me think if if we if we kind of go back to you know what i was i was talking about be, before uh, you know about influences that that came with with the game um if i go back to it was it was around about the about the year 2000 that there was a game that that came out on the the dreamcast called called shenmue and this was this was a massive open world 3d role-playing game um that was built on top of, of of an amazing incredible story and you walked around and you explored this huge open world and you, and you solved different puzzles but the best part for me was you could go to an arcade and when you went into this arcade you could play actual arcade games so you could play stuff like yeah. space harrier and hang on so you were playing a game within a game and and that really kind of stuck in my head and you know create your own adventure and being influenced by all these old school games because you know the 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 gameplay has has always been there when, when you've seen all these you know played and, and analyzed all these different games you kind of think wow the, the and the, i remember there was there's another game back was it was it um haribo house or, or club penguin but you know something very similar i mean i suppose it's, it's kind of the same i i wanted to create a game that had these elements of of massive mmorpg obviously puzzle um fishing mining which which to me were kind of, of of mini experiences and and racing as well but take but because i wanted to be part of a community how do you involve 
different communities because not everybody's a hardcore core player. Some people just want casual. They just want to come in, maybe do a bit of farming. Some might just want to come in and do racing because that's a completely different genre. So we wanted to capture and, and develop the game, something that can grow and grow with the lore as well over time because because there's an underlying story that, that goes with it as well. So, but influenced by, yeah, you, you'll you'll go into this this experience then there's another experience then maybe another day and and that works on so many different levels because obviously there's a there's a retention of, of the players you 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 get used to a loop and if you don't like it then then you want to go and play another game all these kind of loops are built in traditional games anyway there's kind of like this 30 second or 40 second rule where you have to kind of distract people and and, and send them on different kind of you know diff, different paths and 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 different quests and so it was how do we build a game that is is kind of community driven where you can go in and play your own game so i mean that's a long way of, of saying that that's kind of that's kind of what what we're going for at the heart of it is an mmorpg but it yeah. has influences of of, of metaverse and, and and play your own way yeah no no and that makes sense and you could argue that's where you're trying to be different from you know other other games whether in web 3 or traditional one could argue is you know there that mmorpg aspect um of all the things we discussed has existed multitude of times in a multitude of games but trying to add uh that unique spin of being able to kind of offer different aspects to different players doesn't always exist for people as well as like metaversy aspects or uh you know yeah. owning your own assets um so i i can see that well and also too um it sounds like that's a big thing your community wants, and so that's a big thing you're you're bringing to the community as well. Yeah, and and you know the one like we say, well, because we're so transparent and the community are building alongside us. You know, if we had waited eight years, released this game, and they didn't play that game, or they didn't like that game, or they didn't like the game mechanics there, you find out too late. I mean, that's like the old traditional software waterfall you know technique so because we're building agile we can push these early demos and prototypes out to the community so at the moment we've got rumble ball which is a new one which is kind of like a indoor football or, or indoor five-a-side soccer kind of game you know we can get feedback immediately is is that is it is it a fun game is it something people want to play or do we want to concentrate more or leave that and and then look at other games and, and other experiences so that is absolutely what you know. One of the the biggest advantages of, of of building early and releasing releasing these to to the community. You know, when we when we release fishing, there's so many different ways of, of designing a fishing game. You know, but we'll be able to test that with our community and, and literally get you know almost in real time five ten thousand people's feedback. Um, so it'll be a bit daunting if we've got it completely wrong, but but you know we'll be able to do surveys along the way and actually see how people play, and and we've we've seen this now in in watching some of the the content that the community have been producing themselves. You know, it's free marketing. They're going out there and producing their own content, even though it's really really early. You see different ways and go, oh, I didn't realize you you could do it right. Let's let's build more into that. So so we we've enhanced say. Um, as you go in Calido Valley, we 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 thought, well, how do we get 
the players to go around and explore the, the whole of, of, of this valley, every inch of it, because usually they just kind of go through the middle, go to wherever the main attractions are. So we introduced this idea of, of hollow caches, which is kind of like a fight and seek. So there's like 160 of them scattered all around the world. So, so that then encourages them to go and look through every nook and cranny and find every bug. And that has worked really, really well. And, and that kind of took, took on there was 50 originally and when we we saw how engaging it was and the community liked it. i mean it doesn't doesn't take much time just to, to drop an, a, 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 another holocache on the map so we've expanded that and that has actually now become a, a really good um i suppose sticky feature whereas some players may have come in for for three or four hours and go oh look these graphics are absolutely amazing triple a graphics but there's nothing to do we've actually had really good engaging content from the start well yeah and and i think you and i both have seen games unfortunately like that where um maybe maybe the alpha is a bit too early where it's like what wonderful yeah wonderful like open world great graphics you're like what do we do and you're like well nothing yet and you're like maybe it wasn't ready to release then because gamers you know I think sometimes, unfortunately, companies are like, well, they want these triple graphics like they do. But if that's all you give them, they're like, this yeah. is cool. But it's essentially and that, a, honestly, that was a huge challenge because because we wanted the game out early. But we've got our more traditional hardcore you know, developers and programmers within the company are going, no, you, you can't do this. This is this is not ready. This is not this is not what we're used to. This has not been drilled into us. <laughs> these these are not yeah. ready those animations that that so, so yeah we we've had you know we've had challenges within the team as well and also recruiting people because because the you know traditional developers they've never heard of this way of developing so much in the public and, mm -hmm. and you know getting that early feedback and and you know the bias of of web two versus web three so so that that's been another challenge as well but i mean yeah we we were really lucky with 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 taking on some of our early developers and they, and they brought on some of their colleagues and, and then in interview, they had lots of really hard, challenging questions. And, you know, our, our developers and, and artists have, have been, have really grasped the concept of web three early on, which was, you know, kind of like a blessing for us. Cause, cause had that not worked, it, it, it was a real challenge in the early days trying to get people to come over to web three. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that's it's also like it's a different world of marketing versus traditional mm -hmm. gaming because in traditional gaming you have like usually like your story trailer, your hype trailer, your game picture. You know, there's like seven trailers now before a game comes out. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering, yeah, none, none of them look like the game. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like a week or two before the game comes out. They're like, here's the final trailer. I mean, it was just like with them. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, where like Nintendo was very confused with all their marketing campaigns because people were like, I don't know, it doesn't look that different or that fun until the trailer that was like less than a month before and they showed how the game is played. People were like, oh, okay, now we're excited yeah. for Nintendo's like, so we should have just started with that one. I mean, you want to, um, which you is funny for Nintendo of all people. <laughs> I mean, look, you want to see some of the games that were there in the 80s, you know, when you, when you were in the shops looking at them, they had all these really fancy, you know, pictures and images on the front of them. And then and then when you actually <laughs> played the game and the, and the spectrum loaded up and they were like little, not even 8-bit kind of, you know, two, three colors. What? <laughs> There's nothing yeah. like the picture. So, so it's yeah. always been a challenge, but it's not a challenge nowadays because you have all these amazing graphics. One, two, like we live in an age where like I could, 
I used to think about this as the time as a kid, I'd look at a game and you would look on the back at the little pictures and be like, so this is what the game looks like. This is what the gameplay is like. Whereas now you could look at a game and be like, I could just find someone on YouTube being like 15 minutes of gameplay of insert game here and be like, looks fun or be like, ah, it's not for me. I guess I won't get it. Um, like you have so much freedom now to figure yeah. out what is what you want to spend your time on. So I can see that also being a huge, um, that's very difficult for marketing is like, well, how, how do you market a Web3 game other than around your community that already exists to really get them in, invested? You know, you can argue you're in a sea of choice and what makes you stand out for people? Yeah, I mean, that, that is definitely a challenge because because we are so early, you, you the, there is that danger that once once that th those those videos are, are out there, you know, they're, they're out there forever. You, you know, how even, you know, two, three years later, as as because over the years we, we've changed our art style, it's got it's got more more and more detailed and um, more complex and we've introduced new features and and but still those old videos are, are always out there so it's, i mean that that's part of the challenge you just kind of hope that because the community grows and more and more videos are created that that the others are kind of lost but i mean it's 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 all part of of the growth of of, of the video you know we'll probably look back in 10 years from now and go wow look at those i can't, I don't, can't remember when the game looked like that so yeah it, you know it's it's all new you, you kind of have to roll with it <laughs> Or, or you just go back to traditional developing and just maybe release a Web3 game 10 years. But, but who knows what, if your blockchain is going to be the, the same as it started 10 years earlier. I mean, then definitely uh, gaming is not the same now. We, we've seen an awful lot of games. If, let's say, these games were, were started even four or five years ago in Unreal Engine 4, you know, since Unreal Engine Five came out, the the advances in graphics and and, and Nanite and Lumens has completely changed the way even those games would have started off. To to the fact that a, a lot of those games literally had to stop development and and start again, which you know is, is huge for a AAA company when you when you've got hundreds and thousands of developers and millions and millions of invested in something that you know. At that point, nobody's ever seen. Well, and then it's also really interesting you say that how with tr just a traditional gaming, and I'm curious to see this, it, it has to bleed over into Web3 because it's all using the same software, so to speak, but, uh, yep. you know, at least for PC. But it's always interesting to see in the beginning of a console life cycle, the way graphics games are played things. And by the end of that console's life cycle, how developers and studios have yeah. figured out, they're like, we really understand, even though all that, all that information is released, they're like, we know the tech, we know it is inherently yeah. in there. Learning things in the industry to be like, we can really push this thing to its limit without it like burning down or catching fire. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people were that transition between, um, you know, the last gen and new gen of consoles seeing what the last gen was capable of towards the end people were like this is literally like night and day from where it started and um so i know i always thought that was really cool to see it's same with the pcs of just being able to really push the capabilities of understanding so i totally agree with you it's going to be very interesting just even in five years to see not only the development of you know using unreal engine um but just how that's going to carry over into the AAA games in web3 and where they're going to go from there yeah I, yeah, no, I completely agree. And then, so when you, y'all obviously have this this really engaging community, 
And I'm curious, like, what are your, you know, what are your plans, if any, currently, other than what you're already doing to kind of grow this community? Like, do you all want to do um, community driven events? Are you wanting to give unique features to like early starters or people who've been playing the game for a certain amount of time? Or is it kind of a mixed bag of things? Yeah, well, I mean, the, the game at the moment is is on pre-alpha. So, it's, you know, so we know where I'm most well, no games release. Well, their pre-alpha is completely different to what we're calling pre-alpha. Mm-hmm. Or literally, yeah. it's just a, a couple of years in. But one of the advantages you see of of being on the blockchain is knowing that if people have an NFT, we know that they own what, one of our assets, and, and we can then use that as a as a as a key or, or um, yeah, early access into the game. So, so our players that are actually testing our game at the moment. It's very common to have kind of locked off public testing, well, not put, put locked off private testing, but those AAA um, games companies, they will know everybody who's testing their game. We don't. To, to, to come and test our game, all you need is one of, one of our NFTs and mm-hmm. the, the hardware that, that currently supports it, and you can go and test it. We have no idea, you know, who a lot of these thousands of people are we know some of our community but so again that's another huge difference um and therefore we also don't know what what they're going to do when 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 they start publishing that information whether they create videos on twitter whether they're going to do shout outs whether they create youtube but i think growing together what we what we've seen is when anybody comes in and starts first of all comes into our community comes into into discord and we have a a really very family friendly discord so we don't allow swearing or anything like that because i think it's important for for us um just how we want to want to to run our game is to is to be family friendly so so we eventually we want you know we want children and, and adults to all play in our game together. And we see this when we've had a couple of conferences. We've been to Vegas a couple of times. We've been to Colorado. And we we get people from, from all ages of, of walks uh, of, of life that, that come and play our game. And they recognize us because we are so early in the, in the community and we do the, these weekly podcasts. But then they share um, their videos and share their content. And... I've seen videos that have only had, say, 10, 11, or 12 views. And as soon as we see them on our com- or our community sees them, we will then share them with- within Discord. And we- we've seen followers and-, and-, and really encourage the community then to go out and create the content. So some, some people that started off, you know what it's like when you started off, you-, you create a video and it might get 10 views or 50 views or something like that. And, and then after maybe... 10 or 20 you kind of drop off well they, these have a really fast start because as soon as they come in not only do our community go in and they're commenting and, and encouraging them um we've seen um youtubers and, and influencers or <laughs> how, however you want to call them really mm-hmm. really grow from from zero to like a thousand followers within within you know six months which is incredible because that then gives them the confidence then to start wanting to create more content and, and better content. And, and so that side of it, which, you know, was purely organic, we didn't know whether it would work or not, but, but that, that model that, that we kind of pioneered in the early days is, is really, really, you know, taken off and, and has helped the community to, to be friendly and encourage each other and, and share each other. And, and now, yeah, it's, 
it I'm, I'm not joking about the, this web three the cornucopia community or the corn family as we call them is is like nothing i've, I've ever seen it's absolutely amazing and and you know the, we're all we're, we're all supporting each other and we, we all have the you know that we all want the game to to succeed when i think people really underestimate at, at least in gaming in general um you know just the power that discord has in really rallying your community around a central point you know if your discord is well organized has place for people to go chat talk find out info learn to play the game share things um you really don't need much it's not hard like if you were like i have no idea how to build my games discord it'd be like you could go join any other ones and literally just copy their template and it would work um you know as long as it's a successful one you've seen but yeah i mean i've seen so many web3 games where they're like one of our strongest parts of our community is this discord community they're like mm -hmm. we have like tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people in here and it's where we can share everything you've talked about um and i think too it is important that um you know i've seen some web3 games where they're just like you know one where it's like a zombie survival shooter and they're like we're not obviously a kid-friendly game we probably never will be you know that's one of those things that is unique about their discord versus someone like yourself where you're like yeah we it's supposed to be a, a mmorpg we want people to play with not only their friends we want families to play together I think that makes a unique uh, differing place for Discord, too, because I'm sure, as you know, there yeah. are plenty of uh, DGENs in Web3 who are not very family friendly. I mean, some people get confused, you know, they, they come in and, and, and they're swearing like you do. And, and then, you know, the, the mods or even other community members will say, can you just edit that? And they go, well, why? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you have a little bit of awkwardness, but then, then quickly they settle down. And, you, you know, we did that from day one because what we found is, you know, you do get people that come in and, and when when you do have that kind of relaxation in in language you, you can quickly spiral out of control and, and something can turn toxic when, when it doesn't mean to be and then there's can be bullying yeah. we, we really mm -hmm. don't want that kind of a, of a culture with our game because i've seen discords spoil or you, you just don't want to go in and especially in web3 where, where you know there's a there's a there's kind of monetary element as well things can can turn sour really really quickly yeah no i've, I've definitely also seen that and those are always the first discords i'm like i'm just muting this and then after a while i'll check back on something because it's still toxic and angry i'm like i'm just leaving there's no benefit to me being in here um, we all have our discord servers that we enjoy being a part of and being in and there's a reason we continue to stay on those servers so yep. um well and then so you know what where would you like to see cornucopia in the next five years are there any expansions you'd like to add like dlc later on or are you wanting additional features players look forward to that you can reveal at this time or is it just to continue building growing the way you have been? yeah i mean i think cornucopius is is a forever game we built it in such a way that that the law can, can expand like say we're 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 in this this alternative universe we have all these these domes and, and these experiences that that appear and and you know the the whole economy is is grown by by the players themselves and the the world the environments they will grow as districts um grow and and we really take on the, the like I said the, the ethos of the community so when you join a district there'll be about 200 people within your within your village and you are playing on your own but you're also being part of of the district so so as that's leveling up you'll get to a point where 
you'll have a decision, right, what what should we do to improve our district? And we'll have district versus district competitions. So we're encouraging people to to play together and, and also play on their own. So to keep that that whole um game loops to you know to to com completely evolve over time I, th I think it's really really important and it the game has been built in that way so, so that we can add all these different experiences you know in the future if, if we want to introduce um bmx racing or, or skateboarding or as long as it fits within our law which it should do because we have cities and we have all kinds of different technology zones going on yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that and if anything i think that the fact that you don't have to go out and buy dlc that it's just naturally being built as as part of how the game is being developed i i think that's another positive yeah, I would definitely say so too. So then it is a plan with that, if you're allowed to reveal, or something you'd like to maybe add in down the line is to allow for that to be like user generated or user created content. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So so as as well as what we wanted, we wanted a curated environment. You know, you know, we've we've seen some games in the past where where people generate their own content, but the art style all looks different. And as you're walking down the street, it, it, it just doesn't fit. So we wanted that to be curated. And we've also introduced what, what we call custom domes. So custom domes is is with set within the, the, the same universe as Cornucopius, but, but these are also player owned. And these will be environments where the players will be able to use some of our uh, our art packs and create their own experiences so this will take it to a whole new level so 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 you could have um you could have a, a musical contest in there um uh, uh, not a musical contest i um you know i a, a musical experience where you could you could have a stage and, and your artist could go on there or it could be stand-up comedy or it could be just promoting your brand name you could have showrooms in there you could create your own pvp games or pve games so so that element i think will will be absolutely huge as we build more and more tools to allow players to build their own experiences but it'll all be seamless so you'll be able to travel from the from the old mmorpg and then go and travel to somebody else's experience and though those will kind of introduce not just create not just for creative people but also for entrepreneurs as well because the but they'll be able to add web three elements to that so if they're they have their own showroom for example and maybe it's paired with a showroom in real life you'll be able to go into these experience try out the virtual version of, of whatever the, their business is about and then maybe you will buy something within a custom dome that will actually a physical version will come through or maybe it's just always digital and, and it'll just still remain in the, in the same ecosystem so yeah that that side of it I think will be really, really exciting because once once you break out and, and allow players to create their own experiences, I mean, then, you know, who knows where the game will go then. But it will definitely be using our game, so we'll know it won't break and, and, and stuff like that. But So there will sure, be some yeah. rules, but lots and lots of freedom. Yeah, in, in a way, I think like maybe an easier way for people to think about in traditional is almost like mods to a degree of like you can kind of build your your own unique assets. It still is going to have to play on your initial game engine and everything yeah. you've laid out. It's not like people can totally rebuild it, but they can utilize those assets in the engine to maybe make something totally different, a totally different gameplay or style than what y'all yeah. created. 
Yeah. So that'll, that'll be really cool. Yeah. Well, so then I really only have one more uh, question for you. And that's, you know, what advice would you give any younger folks who are wanting to, you know, maybe start a Web3 journey, wanting to get involved more in projects and figure it out to be a part of this industry? Yeah, I mean, if you don't, you, I mean, just jump in, I, I suppose is my, you know, it's it's like if you want to start a YouTube channel, you, you just just jump in, learn the communities, you know, kind of cultivate a highly engaged community, because I think I think that works. If, if you start with the community, the community will, will encourage you and give you some ideas. Um, you know, and, and in gaming, your community will help drive your player retention and, and loyalty. And, we, and we've all seen, the, you know, a huge rise in the past of, of you know, player-created content. And, you know, all, all you need is, is, is a fun game. But building, I suppose, a Web3 project is definitely challenging. Um, you will have setbacks. That, that That's inevitable. Um, you have to, you know, kind of, stay resilient <laughs> learn as you, as you go along i mean we we've made so many mistakes um you know I, it's you know you just kind of learn and, and just carry on but you you also have to i suppose really consider how your project will sustain itself um and, and really understand really understand that the the bull market and and the bear market you know i've seen a lot of projects that have raised a lot of money through nft sales and then just watch all that disappear you know very early on we started converting some of our sales in, in into into a stable coin you know that then helps if 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 you don't realize that i've seen projects you know raise millions and millions and and, and then almost within a month or so their whole treasuries disappear I mean, you're responsible you know for so many different families so so so, so that's definitely a challenge um and, and you know i think really prioritize the the, the game or whatever experience you're doing you, you user-friendly has to be at the front i mean yes in building something you'll probably be a techie but having that user user interface is so important especially if you want to attract the bigger markets of, of web 2 or, or web uh the web 3 or, or into into d5 because it's it's new it's absolutely new and i think you know web 3 web 3 projects they they can be very complex but having that that user friendly interface um i think can can attract players and, and keep them coming back for more, especially, especially, especially for those that are not familiar with 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 blockchain. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of kind of some of my advice, I suppose. No, those are all great points. I think uh, people can take a lot from that. And the only, I would say the only thing I'll add to that is um, join some communities of your own and just ask mm -hmm. people. Be like, I'm trying to do this. Um, you'll join some crappy ones and people won't be the nicest yeah. to you, but you'll find some really good ones where people go, Oh, you want to get involved in this? Well, this is what we're doing. Even if it's a no name, small project, it's some yeah. experience you can get something you can do and build from there. Um, that's, I definitely, I definitely did I think, that for a while. That's, that's how, that's how I literally started. You know, Josh came on board. Um, um, you know, in our early days, we've, we've taken on, we must have five or six members that came literally from either our community or the wider web three community to, to join us. You know, Yep. Over this last this last month last month or so, we've taken on two two members uh, that literally were from the community that was that were sharing our content. Um, we've known them for for over a year. We, we've seen them. We thought, right, 
you know, bring bring them on board. Yeah, and, that, and that's another thing is people don't realize just being a big fan of a project and really supporting it can actually sometimes, in that instance, lead to a job for yeah. people. <laughs> but think how think how easy it is to onboard them. You don't have to explain yeah, exactly. what three to them. You don't have to explain what you're trying to build. You yeah. don't have to do any of that. You don't have to explain the project. You're like, well, we, you know what we're all about and what we're doing. You just kind of get to see behind the veil, so to speak, a little bit. And there's, and again, in Web3, there's really not much of a veil for most people. You know, it's kind of already all out there. The only thing you may be hesitant to share is just like, well, this is a new feature gameplay we're going to bring out. We don't want to reveal it yet until it's ready. So, yeah, it is really hard not to, um, not not to leak some of the information. You, you know, I, I'm probably the the king of leaks I, I would suppose i you know as soon as i see them i kind of want to talk about them and share them <laughs> that, that's, been, that's been a challenge trying to keep me quiet yeah no i think i think we can all share that you get excited and you just want to share it but you have to wait it's part of being a developer you probably would argue you know well rob I, that that's all i got for you is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to mention or wanted to talk about um if if you want to find us you know you, you can you can find us at cornucopius.io that um join join there and that will give you a link to our discord um come and join in our discord come in there come and say hello we're cornucopius gamer on twitter we have a youtube channel where you'll be able to see um content created by ourselves and and by our community just search for cornucopius game on on youtube and um yeah, if you if you like what you see and you actually want to come and play and be, and be one of our testers, um, you can buy what buy one of our NFTs. Um, ask the community wh which types you need, and and then yeah, if you have um, th the hardware, because at the moment it's on PC, but in the future we, we will be on console and streaming. But if you have a PC with like a thirty sixty graphics card or above at the moment, you know we are really really early, so so, so we, we we do need um, that kind of minimum graphics requirements. Then yeah, you get an NFT, you could be testing the game within the next few hours. Awesome, and I'll definitely have um, I have all those links. I'll have them in the show notes for people. So if you just go look in the show notes for this episode, it'll be easy for you to get to everything Rob just discussed. Rob, thank you so much for your time. Really looking forward to everything y'all are going to do with uh, Cornucopias. Really looking forward to everything you continue to do in the space. Appreciate everything you've done so far. And we'll continue. No, to do. thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Well, friends, that's another episode down. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people who truly are involved in Web3 gaming, blockchain, and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies. If you have any queries, want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements, as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast, please email us at theweb3gamer at proton.me. We would love to hear from you and take every response very seriously. Take care and keep gaming, my friends.